Welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a former teacher turned entrepreneur here to help you navigate the messiness of mom life and biz life. Each week, my guest and I will share our experiences, insights, and tips to help you move your business from survival mode to success mode. So grab your favorite drink and let's dive in because this girl means business. Hey there, welcome to episode 155 of the Girl Means Business podcast. You are in for a ride today, so buckle up ladies. We have an incredible guest on the Girl Means po- Girl Means Business podcast this week. Her name is Shelly Paxton, and when you describe Shelly, I want you to think Brene Brown meets biker chick with a little bit of like Liz Gilbert sprinkled in there. She is best known as a rebel leader, a best-selling author, an influential speaker, and chief soul officer at Soulbatical. She has an amazing story about just a shift in her perspective, a shift in her life at 46 years old. She made the decision to leave an executive role at Harley-Davidson to write her own story, to create her own vision for her life and her business. And um, it's an incredible story and I can't wait for you to hear it. We are talking today all about creating a life that you love. That's what we're doing. That's why we start a business. You know, it seems like this little tiny seed of an idea that you have around, well, I want to start this business. And maybe it's you sign up for a network marketing company, or maybe you started your own photography business or a calligraphy business on the side of your nine to five job. And it seems like it's just this little thing. But what we don't realize is that planting that seed and it can grow into something incredible and beyond our wildest dreams. And it's about wanting to reclaim and take control of our own lives. And that's exactly what you know, Shelly did. And I loved talking to her. She is an incredible woman. She has this vibrancy and just this, I don't know, like this energy about her that I just absolutely loved. And it was a reminder to myself as well. You know, here she was at 46 year old, 46 years old, she made this shift to leave this corporate job and run this now incredibly successful company. And we don't hear enough, in my opinion, of those stories. You know, we hear from a lot of the 20-somethings and the early 30-somethings who are leaving careers behind, starting families, doing all the things, but when you look at someone who had a really amazing career in this industry where she was like, I am top dog in some of these rooms, and then to make the decision at a later stage in life, I think to me, that is incredibly inspiring. So enough about me telling you about her story. I cannot wait for her to tell you her story in her own words. So let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with Shelly Paxton. All right, guys, I am so excited today to have Shelly Paxton on the show. Shelly, welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. How are you today? Uh, thank you, Kendra. I'm so excited, especially now. I'm excited to be here having this jam sesh or this soul sesh with you. Thank you. Yeah, I cannot wait to get into our conversation today. I can already tell just from the little bit we've talked before hitting record, this is going to be a really good one. So um, I want, before we get into all of the greatness, I want everybody to hear a little bit about who you are and what you do. So give us a little quick kind of backstory on you. Yeah. So the short, short, short version is 
I spent 26 years of my adult life in a pretty badass corporate career in advertising and marketing. I was really, really fortunate to steward iconic global brands from McDonald's to Visa to AOL, a lot in between and many, many facets of advertising and marketing. And I guess when you could say I got to the proverbial top of the mountain, I was chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson, which ain't too shabby. you know. No, that's awesome. One of the sexiest brands in the world that people tattoo on their bodies and part of my responsibilities was riding motorcycles around the world, which is pretty freaking incredible. And it makes my story, I think, even more powerful because it was during that time at Harley, I was there for six and a half years. And I was, you know, quarter of a century into a really incredible career that I have zero regrets around. And yet I started to feel really empty inside. And I started to ask myself a lot of questions around like, wait, like, is this all there is? Like I have worked so long and so hard and fought tooth and nail to get to this, you know, the top of this mountain to become, you know, in this rarefied air, especially as a marketing exec, you know, for one of the most iconic brands in the world. And yet I felt guilty because I kept thinking, is this all there is? Like I've worked so hard. And then I started having this horrible nightmare that was ripping me out of my sleep. And we can talk about that later, but that was one of many wake up calls I got to really start examining what's going on here and whose dream am I really living? And am I doing success on my terms or somebody else's? And I woke up to this idea that I was living my dad's dream And I was ticking all the boxes of traditional success, but I wasn't feeling success from the inside out because I wasn't doing it on my terms. I wasn't being it on my terms. And that's the short version of sort of what led me on the journey that I'm sure we'll talk about. So I'm, yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm one of the crazy people who left a 26-year corporate career with a huge amount of success and frankly a lot of money to say what is my soul you know calling me to do who really am I and to connect with myself along the way I know there's a lot of juiciness in there so I'm going to stop now <laughs> <laughs> I know you probably saw me I was like jotting things down um it's there's so much about your story that I love and, and that I can relate to And I think a lot of people, a lot of women listening to this will probably have different pieces they can like pull and connect with. But when you said that you realized you were living someone else's dream for you, that's when I was just like, oh, like to the heart. That's exactly how I felt. You know, I I came from a background of teaching and being in education. And once I got out of it, I realized I was like, I had lived my almost my entire life checking the boxes of what other people thought I should be doing in my life. And it got to a point where I had to say, I have to do things my way. And I mean, I'm so glad I figured it out. And I'm so glad, I'm sure you feel the same way. That's been the biggest blessing, but there's also a lot that comes with it. It's easy to look at it and go, okay, you were doing this thing. You realized it wasn't, you know, a good fit for you. So you pivoted into something else and it all seems super easy and graceful, but you mentioned like the guilt and the stress and the nightmare, I mean, like all these things, 
Like there's so much else that goes into it that I think stops people from actually making that pivot. Yeah. And let me comment on that because I loved, I love that you highlighted that there's, I mean, yes. Can I look back now and say the decision I made five ish years ago was the best decision of my life. Absolutely. All I could have told you then was I was scared out of my mind And yet I knew, you know, one of the things that I always say to anyone in my world is, you know, if you think about your life for the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, are you moving closer to who you want to become or further away? And I, when I think back to having this nightmare and having all of these, kind of this epiphany, right, getting woke around my own soul's calling, I just kept thinking, okay, at the time, the nightmare started when I was 45. I left Harley when I was 46. So I really want, like, let that sink in. I was no, I mean, listen, age means nothing to me because I believe age is a mindset. At the same time, I was going, if I'm 50, so four or five years from now, and I'm asking these same questions, and I'm feeling empty inside and I'm feeling disconnected from myself and I'm feeling like I'm doing this for someone else. I mean, what's that? I feel like I'm moving further away from who I'm meant to become. And so that to me was the bigger pull, right? Ani East Nin has this incredible quote that I, I might I might not get all the words right, but the idea is, you know, at some point in your life, the risk to remain tight in a bud becomes more painful than the risk to blossom. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I experienced despite the fear or in spite of the fear, I should say, because I didn't have any supporters around me when I decided to leave that job. Let me be very clear that my own family was like, "Uh uh-uh, no one does that. You don't leave a job without another job. You don't throw away a 26 year marketing career with the kind of success you have, you don't, you don't, you don't, right? All of the shoulds, I call them the shackles of should that are hoisted upon us. And so I said, no, you know what? Even if this is a really short period of time, I gave myself a year, but I said, you know what, Shelly, I give you permission in three months. If this doesn't feel right, course correct. If in six months, if in 12 months, or if at the end of this grand experiment, you boomerang back to the corporate world, but you decide maybe you belong in a different company or a different role or whatever. Fantastic. But give yourself like invest in the possibility of your future self. And that's what I did. But man, it wasn't for lack of fear, because there was a whole lot I was standing on the precipice of the unknown. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. Like, you know, I, I think that we have this societal idea. Okay. So the other day we were watching a movie at the house. It was just, the TV was on, movie came on random afternoon and it was the movie office space. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah. Okay. So at one point in the movie, the guy is talking about how he's like, um, you know, I, I don't enjoy my job. I can't remember exactly the whole conversation, but Jennifer Innocent's character, she goes, I think most people hate their job. They just have to find something that makes them happy. And I was like, that line hit me. And I was like, that's so sad. Like, why, you know, and I've had this conversation with other people, you know, where I'll say, do you love what you do? And they'll be like, 
um, it's okay. It's a job, you know? And I'm like, why not do something that you love? Why not do something? I mean, I get it. Not every day is going to be a fun day. Not everybody's going to be, you know, everybody's going to be rainbow and sunshine. It's going to be hard work and you're going to have things about your job that you don't like. But if you don't genuinely, it's somewhere in your chosen path in life, have something that brings you joy that you're doing every single day of your life, then why do those things? And I, and that line in that movie, the way it just so casually was kind of said of like, well, nobody really likes their job. And I was like, well, why not? Why is that okay for us to just go through as a, as a society and be like, nah, I mean, I don't love my job, but it pays the bills. Well, that's what you're spending most of your time doing. You must love something or you should love something about it. Yeah, it's so interesting. I have a similar reaction to you, not surprisingly, because I can already tell we're kindred spirits mm-hmm. and all of this stuff, right? And for me, so it brings up something that I I believe in very strongly. And it's a title that I decided to bestow upon myself when I left Harley. So I'm going to connect the dots on the story you just told and where I left off in my story. So I've decided that I'm going to leave. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to reconnect with my soul, nurture it, better understand it, you know, really understand who I am outside of this corporate identity that I've been clinging to for so long, right? So I wake up one day and I'm like, how do I explain to people what I'm doing? Nobody understands this and they're all calling me crazy. And so I was like, you know what? I'm chief soul officer of my own life. And that to me became a really important one. I was super title sensitive at the time. Now titles don't mean as much to me, but I've really fallen in love with and feel a huge sense of responsibility around this idea of chief soul officer so much so that I invite anyone and everyone, you, all your listeners, to try this on for size, in addition to all of the other titles that you may carry in in your life. Because what I love about it is the way I've defined it is a badass who takes responsibility for the direction of their life and courageously creates it in alignment with their truth and their values and their purpose. And so why that's important in the context of the story that you just told, the story feels to me like that comment that the Jennifer Aniston character makes just feels so passive and so resigned and like victim mentality. And what I'm saying is let's all be the badasses who get to consciously create our lives. Now, of course, like I'm not independently wealthy. I don't have a trust fund. I need to make money as well. So the Harley thing was like I had a little nest of money. And I said, this is going to last for so long. And then I need to get back to making money in some way, shape or form, ideally in a way that brings me more joy and is successful, not success empty, which is my way of saying like success that is on my terms and fills me up from the inside out and allows me to be chief soul officer of my life for the rest of my life. And now I am for my life and for my business. But I love this idea of a badass who takes like intentional responsibility for creating a life that fuels you versus drains you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I spent 14 years in a classroom and every, almost every single day I went into that classroom, at least for the last five years that I was in there, And would look out the window at the world outside of that classroom and feel like I was trapped in a prison. 
I mean, literally, I was in a room with cinder block walls. Like, that's how, like, the room I was in had cinder block walls. No cell phone reception. You had to literally stand by the window with your phone, like, pressed up against the glass to get any cell reception. And I was like, this is not what I envision for my life until I'm well into my 60s. Like, this is just not what I want to do. And I think so many people get stuck in that idea of, well, but this is just how it is. This is just, it's how it's been done. My, my mom's done it. My grandmother did it. My friends are doing it. My, you know, family members are doing it. And then you add in on top of that, what you said earlier about the fear and the doubt and the guilt, because I did, I mean, I had guilt around the fact that like I had two degrees. I had a master's degree. I had my undergrad degree. I had spent all this time on the continued education. Um, you know, I had worked so hard to get into the area of education I was in. I did, I had a by all standards, just like you, a really great job. I mean, I was in a position a lot of teachers would have killed to be part of, to be in. From the outside looking in, it looked great. And I had guilt around that. I had guilt around, you know, the idea that I was leaving other coworkers that I really loved working with. And I had doubts and I had fears. So when you, if that could have stopped me, it stops a lot of people. They're probably listening to this episode who are thinking, yeah, I can't leave what I'm doing because of these same things that we're talking about. So how did you get past all of those things to make that decision? Because it's not as simple as you wake up one day and you just flip a switch and all of a sudden you've turned the corner. So how did you make that decision or how did you come to terms with those? Yeah, let me put some. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. A time frame around it too. So yeah, I didn't wake up. I had this, I had this nightmare and I'll leave it. Anybody who wants to read my book will, I'm sure you'll include a, a link in the, um, in the show notes, but it's called Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. And it is telling my story of this journey. And the reason why I bring that up is I start the first chapter with the nightmare. So I'm not going to spoil the exact nightmare, but I was having this nightmare like five times a week for the entire final year, year that I was at Harley. And I started to understand what the nightmare was telling me about three to four months in because I started meditating and I was really, really trying to like unpack as much as I hate that word, like unpack what, um, 
what what it was trying to tell me. And then I understood that it was really calling me to take a break, to, you know, slow down, to pause, to rekindle a relationship with my soul, to listen deeply. Well, from that point on, there was about six months where I was going back and forth with myself. So to your exact question and your point, where I was like, can I do this? And some days I'd wake up and I'd be like, you know, fuck yeah, I'm like all over this. I'm on fire. I can do this. And then the next day I'd be like, no, no, nobody does this. This and my parents are right. This is the crazy thing. And I'd have, you know, the Greek chorus of, you know, their voices and everybody else's voices and a whole business network who didn't understand what I was doing or why I would be. They're like, wait for them to fire you. Don't leave. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So listen, I kept coming back to am I even going to be alive to have this conversation with myself at 50? Because by that point, I was numbing myself to sleep with booze every night, trying to incapacitate this nightmare. I was suffering the physical effects of it. I was super just stressed out and stretched out because I wasn't sleeping. And then I'd kind of like try to polish myself up and show up like superwoman on the job the next day. And I realized that what I was doing wasn't sustainable. I was, I was in burnout. A hundred percent. I was in burnout. And so it really was honestly me in the face of the fear, in the face of the doubt, in the face of the Greek chorus of all these people saying I'm nuts, going, am I even going to be alive to tell this story in five years if I don't change the way I'm living and if I don't slow down and check in and reconnect with me and at least get curious and at least start to listen deeply? And I can, I can, I can choose not to follow that. But what if I give it a chance? What if I allow myself a little bit of time to get curious? And yes, for me, it did mean taking a break from my work. That is not what I preach to everyone. That's what Shelly Paxton's path looked like. But, you know, Kendra's path will look different or did look different. And somebody else's path will look different. Really, it's not about leaving your job. It's about finding yourself. And from that point, understanding who you are, what's deep in your soul, what is your truth and your essence and your values, then start to take a look at all of the facets of your life and make some decisions, not all at once. I'm an advocate of saying every badass accomplishment is a series of tiny steps, one tiny step at a time. So that's how I did it. I decided that my life was worth it because I didn't want to look in the mirror at the woman who was going to be staring me back maybe at age 50. And instead at age 50, I was publishing my very first book and it was published by Simon & Schuster. So now I can look back and go, bravo, girl, you made the right decision. (laughs) And even though it was, I mean, honestly, it was the hard one. Yeah. Well, I love that what you said about, you know, it's, it's little steps. You know, we always hear, I've been reading a lot of um, books lately and a lot of them have been on storytelling. And I've been reading this one by Kendra Hall called Stories That Stick. And she talks a lot about like the founder story and how, you know, every business owner has this founder story, whether we think it's important or not, it's our story of how we ended up to, you know, where we are. And in that story, a lot of times, you know, you have what you call like, the normal, the, the big, big explosion, something happens. And then the new normal and 
in these stories, it's really easy to gloss over and be like, okay, I was working this job I didn't love. I got to this breaking point. My health was, I was, you know, stressed, overwhelmed. My health was starting to fail. So I made this decision to leave this corporate job and move into doing my own thing. And then the new normal is now here I am, you know, in your case, a published author and successful business owner and all these things. And it sounds so like smooth, you know, it sounds like, oh, you did A, then you did B happen, then you did C. But yeah, we kind of gloss over these little steps. And I think that that is worth discussing and talking more about. And that's why I love like episodes like this and conversations I'm seeing people have around, even on social media, about talking about the fact that these little moments have to go into it. You know, you didn't quit your job and then wake up the next day and have a book deal, you know, like that didn't happen. (laughs) That doesn't happen. Like, this is not how that works. No, you know, exactly. And let's be clear when I did quit my job. So six months, I walk out the door, you know, I do my best because I had a lot of guilt around leaving my team, as you can imagine. So I'm like, okay, you know, put the best organization and the best, you know, succession plan in place and all the things And I walk out the door. And one day, you know, again, like, I'm on high. I'm like, so it, you know, like my whole life is ahead of me. And the next day I'm curled up in the fetal position crying, going, Oh my God, will they ever take me back? And have I just blown up 26 years of a pretty freaking incredible career? I had all of those. I mean, everything. And this is actually why I wanted to write the book. And so, no, the book didn't show up until much later. And it's a dream that I've been giving oxygen to for many, many years to say, I want to write a book, but I didn't know what I wanted to write about. And then all of a sudden I was on this journey and people started getting curious and asking me questions. And I realized there are a lot of other people like me. And so when I left Harley, I would have loved a book like this where somebody's like, let me put my arm around you and say, I got you on this journey and help me reflect and give me some ideas and some exercises and some practical tips, or at least show me that this crazy roller coaster ride with lots of loop-de-loops that make you super nauseous is normal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. That's not only why I'm like so public and listen, the way I speak, you know, like in a conversation like this, the way that I speak in the book, it's my voice. It's raw. It's vulnerable. I do not believe there's any benefit in like trying to polish, you know, our stories. Like the real deep human connection is in talking about the dark in addition to talking about the light. And that's what, you know, my book and my story are full of because still to this day, I mean, the last six months in my business, they've been kind of, I've just been stuck. So they felt like hell for me because like Soulbatical was like this wild ride after Harley. And yeah, it became a book and a business and a movement. And then I was sitting there going, well, now what? And it took me until about a month ago to realize I'd outgrown the Soulbatical brand. It's amazing. And the message is still super powerful. And the book is super powerful, but I'm Shelly Paxton. And I'm ready for that next phase. And so we have to also be willing to continue to grow and be in that space of discomfort and fear a lot. Yeah. Well, and you know, it said, I listen to a lot of podcasts and one of my favorites is the Dak Shepard Armchair Expert oh, podcast. Love, 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 love. So good. But he has said multiple times, and this, this is kind of resonating with me and I feel like it's 
if I were to write like a mission statement for this podcast, I would put this in there where it was basically, he was saying, I'm not, I don't want to have people on the show to talk about all of their accomplishments because I can't learn anything from their accomplishments. You can tell me that you've won a Grammy or that you've been a bestseller or that you were on Broadway or whatever the case is. You can tell me about all the shiny. I can read all this off of your Wikipedia page. But what I want to know is what are the mistakes and the pitfalls? What are the things that happened along the way? That's where the learning takes place. And I 100,000% agree with that because I, I like, for example, in your case, the idea of like, okay, let's just take you writing this book, for example. I'm sure, again, it wasn't like you woke up one day, you wrote a book, you submitted it, it got published, it did really well. Like there are things along the way, like that roller coaster ride you talked about. And I think that as much as we talk about the highs, I want to talk about the lows. And I love that you just said like in the last month, you know, you're not saying like in the last year, you literally said in the last month, like you're in it that you've been in this sort of like, okay, what's next? What, what's really like, what's my next step? What, what's my plan? What does the future look like? And I think that that's so refreshing to talk about because yeah, it's again, going back to the idea of pivoting in your life, whether that is leaving a job, starting a business, getting out of a relationship, moving across country, whatever it might be, it's scary and it's overwhelming and it, there's all the stuff that goes along with it. But again, it's not, it's not about the end. It's about the journey and how you got there and what all goes into that. Um, so one question I wanted to ask you real quick was in this process, you've mentioned a couple different times that you didn't necessarily have the support, so, so to say, of your family and your friends and the people around you. And I've been very fortunate in the fact that like, I have a super supportive husband. He questions me on things a lot, but he's, He's supportive. My family has been supportive. Um, the people immediately around me have been supportive. I've had some on the outer edges that are not so much, but I think that I'm almost the exception to the rule here. I think there's a lot more people like you who don't have that support system, who have people who are questioning their every decision and who are doubting them, which makes it harder to, to not doubt yourself because you you hear their voices in your head and it adds to that confusion in your brain. So how did you kind of push past that? How did you handle moving forward and stepping into your own dream and, and vision for your life when everybody else was saying, no, this isn't, this isn't what you should be doing. It's a beautiful question. And um, well, I guess a few things come to mind. One is, whew, Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one -on -one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, 
classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. I mean, it was, it was a tough time for me. So how, you know, so how did I do this? I mean, I, I have a belief and this became really, really clear to me as I was on this journey. And even before I started to write the book, I started to understand that authenticity is the truest form of rebellion. It's rebelling for who you are, what you want, and the impact you want to have in the world. And there is no doubt in my mind that that is going to start freaking people out around you. When you start holding true to who you are, no matter what, you know, the world, your parents, your religion, your culture, anyone else is telling you to be or what you should be or who you should be or what you should do, then you're challenging the status quo, you're challenging other people to really start asking themselves the question if they're really bold and really brave to say, well, wait, then why am I doing that? Why do I feel like I have to mold and contort to fit this, you know, perfect person, daughter, spouse, whatever. Um, And so I believe that part of really staying true to yourself, you are going to challenge people around you. And it's going to be a really easy way to figure out who your true supporters are as you step into who you are and who you're becoming and you continue to grow. Your people will either rise up to meet you or they will fall away. Yeah. And so there are people, when I say like initially, the shock was widespread in my family and in my inner circle and in my broader network of people. The people who rose up to meet me, and it took my family a little bit longer, but they said, listen, we don't get it. You're kind of on your own, but we're like, try to help bring us along. We don't, we just don't understand it at all. Um, And then a few people in my community rose up. And then what I realized is that it was, again, this goes back to a badass who takes responsibility for the direction of her life. I realized that it was my responsibility to start curating my community and my people. So who was out in the world doing the kinds of things I wanted to do, being the way I wanted to be, defining success on their own terms and living what I was calling a success or just coming to terms with like this idea of a successful life. 
So little by little, listen, this is another thing that didn't happen overnight and is still happening today. But little by little, I started to go, I'm really intrigued by that person, what they're doing. I think I could be really challenged and inspired by being a part of that community. So I was literally putting skin in the game. I was joining communities that required dollars on the table because I knew it would challenge and inspire and hold me accountable for this new life I wanted to create for myself and for this authenticity and courage and purpose that I wanted to guide my being in the world, whatever that was going to look like. And so I think that, you know, it's okay. Like we are going to shed people seasonally. Some people are only ever going to be in our lives for a given season. Some people are going to be in our lives forever. And that's beautiful, but not everybody and some people we've got to go searching for our people. And that's yeah. a big part of what I did. Like I have a big part of what I've done over the past five plus years. And I would say that I'm always on the lookout for my people every single day. And now, and I, I keep shedding and I keep growing as I get more and more clear on who I am and who I want to be surrounded by, it's a high vibe bunch now. When I think about who I was surrounded by five years ago or longer, I'm like, whoo, that was a different woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, an, it's incredible when you can look back at kind of the, like I said before, the normal versus the new normal, <laughs> you know, and see the difference. I mean, I look back and my, I made a, a really big pivot when I was in my mid twenties and another one when I was in my mid thirties with leaving my job and stuff. And both times I can look back and just be like, wow, I don't even recognize that person. And, you know, there's a quote and I don't love to quote Rachel Hollis too often because she's not my favorite person in the world, but she has a great quote where she said, it says like, stop making yourself smaller to make somebody else more comfortable. Now I'm paraphrasing, that's not the exact quote, but I do love that idea. And I, when I heard that, I was like, oh wow, like that's what I've been doing. I've been making myself smaller for so long so that other people can be more comfortable. Well, why am I living my, my life with, to make other people more comfortable? And I'm not saying like go out there and just piss people off left and right, but I think that there's this idea that we should be living our lives to appease everybody around us, whether we consciously or subconsciously under, you know, are doing that. Yeah. And once you can kind of have that glass shattered where you're like, oh, oh, that's what I've been doing. Then you can do exactly what you said. You can go and find the people that fit you and that fit the type of person you want to be around. Because what's that saying? It's like you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with or whatever, something along those lines. And I'm not saying that like disown your family or anything like that, yeah. but I think that you choose who you spend your time with and you can still have a relationship with these people. It just may not be the all consuming relationship that's been in the past because you have to surround yourself with people who are going to bring out the best in you and that you aren't going to have to feel like you have to shrink yourself to make them happy. Yeah, it's how, where, and with whom we spend our energy and we have to protect our energy. And so I always think about it. I have an exercise in the book and one that I talk about all the time where it's like, look at 
in your life, what are the soul fuels, those things that really like light you up and bring you energy, like people, places, things, activities, and what are your soul sucks? You know, those things that just feel like that heavy, wet blanket and they're exhausting and they're draining and they're not sustainable. Of course, we're going to have both in our lives because there are things like taxes, <laughs> to use a really trite example, mm -hmm. that we have to do. But the idea would be that we're building more soul fuels into our lives and we are spending more time, especially with the people who are lighting us up who are rising up with us, who are holding us up and holding that space for us. You know, and same for the places and the environments we're putting ourselves in and that we're protecting our energy. And anyone who comments on you taking up too much space, you've got to look back and wonder like, where is that coming from for them? Because it's not about you. It's about no. what you're challenging for them. Just like when I leave Harley, everyone else starts to go, well, yeah, I know I'm not very happy either. And I kind of have the office space mentality, like, yeah, this is my job doesn't, it's kind of sucks, but I get paid a lot of money to do it. So I think I'll just eke it out for a while. But when I decided I was leaving and they saw somebody who was bold enough to go, yeah, you know what? Even a six high six figure salary isn't enough because I feel like I'm dying inside. That that scares everyone because it's like, it makes you realize you could make that decision too. And you're choosing not to. Yeah. And so I'm like, that's fine. If that's the choice you make, but you're, you're not my people. I want the people who say, I'm going to look fear in the eye and I'm going to cross that threshold anyway, or do some small step toward that. Again, it doesn't have to be an overnight thing. Like you've, like you've mm -hmm. reiterated, but it's really, really important that we take up space. I mean, listen, I could still be at Harley today. They're doing really cool stuff. I could be getting all the accolades and all the money in the world for being a great marketer and an awesome leader and, you know, give me more money and more equity in the company and all the things. But that still is small. It's only big when you look at traditional, you know, metrics of success, like we were saying before. The bigness is, but wait a second, what if I stepped out behind from behind all of these iconic brands and the most iconic brand in the world I could steward is Shelly freaking Paxton. And what if we yeah. all thought about ourselves in that way? Because then it's not simply about marketing another brand. In fact, I would argue now after with all this perspective, looking in the rear view mirror, I was hiding behind big brands. Oh, and wow. I would argue now, this is part of my epiphany in the last month to the point you made earlier. So the six months of like stuckness and struggle for me, one of the epiphanies I had is like, oh my God, Shelly, you did it again. Because, you know, we have to learn lessons over and over again, right? Right. <laughs> I realized with the success of Solbatical that became its own brand and its own thing and its own book and whatever, that I started hiding behind Solbatical. And I was looking at everything through that lens. And I was kind of propping up that brand, just like I did Harley and Visa and, you know, all the other brands, Right. And now I'm like, oh no, girlfriend, it's time to step out of Shelly Paxton and be your most authentic, courageous. And well, you see, I have this little sign. Nobody else, you, you guys can't see the video, but it says unfuckwithable. I want to be my <laughs> most, most unfuckwithable self. 
And I want the world to see that because I want to inspire everyone to rebel for who they yeah. are in the world. That's the bigness that you're talking about. And it's ironic that I'm only figuring this out now, but it goes to the point of like, this is an ongoing journey. There is no destination. Well, I love that you're, you're noticing and you're willing to talk about like the things that you are learning about yourself and that even with all the success you've had, there's these revelations of like, I, I imagine it kind of like those, um, I know I used to watch, um, American Idol and stuff back in the day. And they would talk about like these people would come out with a guitar and that's like, they're, that's what they're hiding behind. They're hiding behind this guitar. And when you take that away, they feel like they're exposed to the world and it's scary. And that was you with those brands. But I was, I was reading a, a book the other day and they were talking about how like you can read all of the books, you can listen to all the podcasts, you can do all the things, but if you aren't willing to take it and reflect it back on yourself and really use it and internalize it and put it into action, then it's, you might as well not be consuming it at all. And I think that that is really, it kind of hit me. I was like, yeah, I mean, we can say we're doing all the things we can say like, oh, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm learning so much. I'm doing all the things. But if you're not actually taking action, like you did, like where you took time and you kind of self-reflected and you were like, wait a minute, what is it that's, that I've been doing here? Why am I, why, like, what's the pattern I'm starting to see and putting in the work to recognize it and then put action to it to change it. I think that's a really key piece that goes into everything we've been talking about is if you just kind of sit back and wait for things to come to you, wait for revelations to happen, they're not going to happen. You have to be willing to kind of turn inward. You know, I was thinking about when you were saying how, when you left Harley and all these people were like, Oh, well, if she can do it. I was like, we're all just holding up mirrors. That's all we're doing is we're holding up mirrors and some people don't like the reflection they see back. And that's when they start throwing darts our way. And like those people at Harley, they didn't like the reflection they saw. And the same thing is like, we have to be willing to look in the mirror of someone, you know, somebody else and say, is that something that I need to, to be looking at inward as well? And I love that you kind of were doing that. And again, I love that you're willing to say like, just recently, this isn't something that you're looking back like three years ago, I had this revelation, look how far I've come. I'm like you're so willing to say, yeah, like <laughs> you're in it. And that's what makes it so great. And I think that's so refreshing and nice to hear. Well, and I think some of what you're bringing up, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. I, I, you know, have my good days and my bad days, like all of us. And there are some days where, you know, I'm, I'm listening a little bit more deeply and other days where I'm doing the little kid, like, nah, 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 like <laughs> pretending not to hear. Right. Yeah. That's my, my favorite coaching question is what are you pretending not to know? Because we all do that to ourselves, right? Like we plug our ears and we talk really loud and we make funny noises just so we don't have to hear what's often feels scary, inconvenient, all the things. But I wanted to circle back to what you were saying, because I love, you're right. We can read all the things that listen to all the podcasts and go to all the seminars and workshops and retreats, all of these things until we shift from doing into being until we integrate all of that in a way that says, okay, I mean, we can't take all of that stuff and all of it's not going to be relevant, but there's so much value in slowing down, letting it sink in deeply. And then saying like, What's my, my friend Judy calls it the remix. Like what's the remix of that? That's uniquely Kendra. That's uniquely Shelly, right? That's uniquely you. And how do I be 
that because there's so much emphasis on doing in our culture and busyness, which I talk a lot, like I used to be a busyness addict. It was absolutely a badge of honor for me. And I love this idea of like, great, consume those things and then pause and let it sink in and maybe reflect on it, journal on it, get curious about what's coming up for you as a result of having experienced that thing. And then I love this question as like, you know, since we're kind of early in the year, I love the question of like, what if 2022 was your best year yet? What, what would that look like? And then back up and say, who would I have to show up as in order for that to happen? Who would I need to be? What is she, what does she look like? How is she showing up every single day starting now? Like those questions are the juicy ones that take everything you're talking about because we're such a consumption culture. And believe me, I'm guilty too. I read a zillion books and listen to all the podcasts and all the things. And I have to remind myself every day to slow down and let it sink in and take a little pause. Like pauses are powerful. I call it embracing pausability. Like the possibility is actually in the pause. We've got to let this stuff sink in, in order to, you know, understand how it wants to guide us forward and make decisions on how we want to show up for ourselves and others. That to me is the power in what you said. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, Shelly, we're going to have to wrap this up because I know we're coming up on our time here, but thank you so much. And I mean, there's, there's, we just scratched the surface. <laughs> I know with you, totally. I'm totally <laughs> scratched. And like, I, this is one of the reasons I have to say this for a second. Like, this is one of the reasons I love doing this podcast because there's no other reason you and I probably would have crossed paths had it not been for this show. And I love that we've had this conversation. I love that even the conversation we had prior to hitting record, like I love that we now know each other and I feel like, you know, I want to continue to, to stay in touch with you. And I, I just, I, I appreciate you coming on the show and taking your time to be here. And I, I love the conversation we've had. So thank you so much for doing that. Oh, me too. And ditto to all of that. I'm so excited that we're connected and we can be part of that, you know, support team going forward and taking up more space with our elbows and all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, Shelly, thank you so much. I'll tell people where they can find you, um, how they can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you. Yeah, I'm not sure when this is going to drop and it doesn't matter. Right now, I'm all things at Soulbatical. So on Instagram, at Soulbatical, has two Bs and one T. Go to soulbatical.com, my website. You can hear about, you can find my book, what I'm up to. My podcast is called Rebel Souls, although I'm pausing that for a little bit. And I'm going to go through a big transformation of putting everything under the Shelly Paxton banner and just like writing book number two and playing bigger to summarize our conversation. Uh, well, I'm, I am so excited for you and I can't wait to watch you kind of come out of the, the chrysalis into the butterfly of Shelly Paxton and I'm excited. So I will have all of those links down in the show notes for people to follow. So thank you so much for being here and we will chat with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. 
And as always, you can find any links or resources mentioned in today's show down in the show notes. And if we're not friends outside of the podcast yet, then what are you waiting for? Come find me on Instagram at Girl Means Business. Send me a DM letting me know what you thought of today's episode or any of the past episodes you've listened to. You can also take a screenshot of today's episode and post it to your stories tagging at Girl Means Business, and I'll give you a shout out on my page. I love connecting with you and hearing all about your business and can't wait to get to know you more. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will meet you back here next week, same time, same place.